Folks here back uh, in Juno here um, with Kevin Baird. What's up? What's up, Kevin? Just another day. Report- I am unemployed. Reporter, journalist, uh, cool cat. We're, we're and we're at the fucking triangle. We the, are the inf- got a rainmaker here. Now tell me what that. I mean, I've never heard. I just heard of that. I've heard of a boiler maker. So the rainmaker is a shot of Maker's Mark whiskey and a Rainier beer. Rainmaker. Rainmaker, yes. See, I love that. I, I'm, I'm having a double bourbon, double makers with a little spl- splash of Coke. So we're at the Triangle, which which folks who haven't been to Juno or don't spend much time here, this place has been around forever and infamously known for 20, 30 years ago. A lot of stuff happening here. A lot of, a lot of handshake deals used to go down here, which I don't think happen anymore. It's a little more, a little more um, moderate, I guess, monitored. But there's legendary stories in this place. Yeah, but it's also sweet. also a fun a fun hangout for like legislator, like political staffer, media. It's yeah, it's good. a great place to get to know people. Uh, yeah, have right. a beer with the legislator staffers. They'll tell you all kinds of stuff, especially on the weekends. The, yes. the staffers get a little bit loose and they get a little because you know legislators go home a lot of them on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Staff, most of them stay. They can't afford to go back and forth, so they get you know a little drunk, a little loose, a little chatty, and you get uh, get some information. Get the scoop. Love that. All right, so um, I want to talk a little bit about you. You Basically, you're, you're leaving state a couple days. So this is Thursday, so you're leaving Sunday, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, Monday. I fly out Monday, I want to say afternoon. So wow. moving to Portland. It's where I grew up. Well, you, Beaverton, actually. but. And you've been... So you grew up in Oregon, but you, you used to work at the News Miner, right? Correct. Uh I drove up to Alaska in, uh, from Tucson in 2016, June. Uh, I was a city reporter there for about a year and a half, and then I was the opinion editor for about a year after Tom Hewitt had left. And oh, we, we loved Tom. We did the election central, and Tom Hewitt was on our panel for the primary and the general. Tom's great. Tom, Tom's a cool cat. Yeah, he's uh, very, very dapper with his ties. Dapper indeed. He likes his, uh, <laughs> he likes his outfits. He likes um, his Red Bull too. He does. Yeah, he, he's kind of low key, but then he gets a Red Bull in him, and he gets a little, he gets a little excited. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, you 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 um, moved here for journalism, but you had you had been in, also in New Mexico. You told me right. Yeah, uh, my first reporting job, I was at the Clovis News Journal, Clovis, New Mexico. That's where the uh, stealth bombers are, right? Yeah, uh, there's an Air Force base out there. Ho- Holloman. Is that right? Or no, no, Clo- Clovis Air Force Base. No. I, think, I, think I honestly Hall- can't remember I think what Holloman, it's called. I think Holloman. It may be, it may be Holloman, actually, because there's another one in, Alamog- in southern New Mexico, which is... I think Holloman's the one in southern. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just Clovis Air Force Base, because I grew up in Albuquerque. I'm having a little bit of a blank on what it's called, but my roommate was in the Air Force, and uh, yeah, they've got all the special ops training out there. It's desert. Kind of a uh, weird spot. I mean, I've been there. It's like literally middle of... What? East New Mexico, like middle of nowhere. Yeah, flat desert, as hell. Flat dust storms. Right. Cowboy town. Hot, hot, hot in the hot summer. Hot as hell. Yeah. And then you get you'll get good. Sometimes you'll get snow in the winter. Yeah, we had a blizzard uh, out there. My first, I don't know, week or so I was there. I'd never seen anything like that. That was pretty cool. It's, it's bizarre. I just actually I just posted the picture. I just met in the governor's mansion with the governor for a few you know thirty minutes, and his assistant. Uh, I don't. First time I met him guy john nice guy 
also from New Mexico. And he grew up in Laguna on the, on the reservation, and he was from Grants. Oh, yeah? And then he lived in Albuquerque for a long time, and he's been in Alaska for three or four years. But a lot of, a lot of New Mexico today here. Yeah, lots of it. So, wait, the governor has an assistant? Is that like a butler? or? Uh, well, I don't know who exactly. Who, I think it's his scheduler. I don't know exactly what his okay. job is, but he was there, and he was kind of keeping the, keeping the time. And I think maybe his scheduler or maybe his personal... I think everybody okay. has one, you know. You got to have somebody keep you your your body man, you know. Yeah. Pro- probably is the body man, you know. Keep keep the keep the schedule, and you know if something something's going on, you get get in there and say, hey, it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> you need a handler, maybe you'd call it. I need a handler. Yeah. You could be my handler. How much are you gonna pay me? I mean, like 20, <laughs> I do need work. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So you move. What what brought you to Alaska? You just kind of. <laughs> Kind of funny. Uh, well, I was actually in Tucson. I was cab driving at the time. No shit. I drove yeah. a cab at Anchorage for two years. It's a lot of fun. When I, you see the craziest fuck. Driving a cab, you see the best of people and the worst of people. Right. And sometimes in the like one fair after like the next fair. Yeah. You pick up a guy who's a millionaire, a woman, a business guy, a business person going to the airport. You know, and you'll pick up somebody who's like drunk and like trying to fight you. Yeah. I had. I picked up one guy from the bars and I was dropping him off and he uh, he left a bag of cocaine and a wad of cash in my cab. Oh my god. And I drove back to the party. A lot of coke went, or what? Just a, not too much. Eight but ball or something? Or? I don't know coke measurements. Eight balls, I think it's a smaller eight <laughs> yeah. grams. I'm not, oh. I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. It just kind of freaked me out. So I drove back to the party, went, went inside, found him and said, hey. I have your Coke and your cash. I how think much you money want was, this back. How much cash was it? I don't know. It was a pretty big wad of it, though. Uh, was, he like, was he like a, probably a drug dealer, it sounds like? Perhaps. I mean, it was Tucson. There's so what, was he like, thanks, man? Here, did he give yeah, you like a tip? No. He just thanked me and continued partying. <laughs> I would have been like, here's 100 bucks. Appreciate that. Thanks for not calling the police. Ethical drug dealer. Huh? I, I, um, I picked up a guy once, and he was like, hey, man, like, how much to like... You know, you do a flat rate, you have the meter, or you do a flat rate, like, you know, 40, 50 bucks an hour, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He goes, how much for three hours? Or four hours, I think. And I go, I don't know, I'll call it, like, I think I was going to call it 150. He's like, I'll give you two. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're going to have to go, I got some stuff I got to do. And I was like, all right, didn't think anything of it. So we went somewhere, went somewhere else, went somewhere, and he'd go, he'd go in, he'd come out, people would come to the cab a couple times, and then I said, this motherfucker is drug dealing. <laughs> That's what he was doing. He was, he was yeah. literally fucking using the cab to, like, so after about the fifth trip, I was like, I didn't want to ask anything, but I was like, hey, man, like, I don't want to know what's going on. Like, just, you know, yeah, keep it cool. And he's like, I think I think I, I think I said, like, hey, man, nothing's going to go down. Like, like, this is like legit, right? Like, we're not going to have any problems. Not legit, but like, I don't want to get shot or robbed. I don't know what the guy's doing. He seemed like yeah. a pretty tough guy. So, he, yeah, dude, I mean, actually... Four hours, multiple multiple trips, multiple yeah. drops, and he gave me like an extra hundred. Oh, nice. Give me like 300 bucks. Yeah, I got some hush money once from somebody. Well, he just tipped me extra for not saying anything. But. Did you ever have, do you ever pick up women like from strip clubs or like, I had, I had so many drunk women like show me their yeah. breasts. I mean, just crazy wild stuff. I saw, I saw everything. Well. Just like in the back of the, oh, and they're like, and like, you know, wow. Maybe not show me things, but they definitely told me things and it was always... Very interesting. <laughs> what, I, what I found was like, you know, I was pretty, let's see, I was 30, I was 20, I'm 34, I was 24 when I was, 23, 24 when I was doing, I was in college, I was young. Yeah. 
a little thinner back then. And, and oftentimes I'd have these, these women, like be one of them or two of them. And they'd, they'd kind of, cause I'm like a young guy and a lot of cab, you know, a lot of cab people, all kinds of different cab drivers. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you're like American. You're so cute. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing after the, you dropped me off? And I'm like, driving my cab like i'm not i never did anything like that because so was this at the bush club or was this in new mexico here no anchorage yeah i drove in anchorage for two years so okay. i pick a, actually the strippers never did that the strippers were always actually some of the best rides because they would just want to go home and they'd give you like they tip you very they tip well. You very well they'd give you like soggy it'd be, like a 15, it'd be a 15 dollar ride and they give you like 25 or 40 30 bucks and they'd say yeah. thanks and th- they were actually pretty low but basically no drama with them they just want to go home but but some of the women you'd pick up at like clubs or bars that were drunk they would just it would just be like Crazy thing after crazy thing. I mean, I, I had <laughs> pe- people like women making out with each other. I had a, I mean, there's all kinds of shit I'd seen doing that. For two years <laughs> I did that. I don't, yeah, I, see, I only did it for, what, four months and I had hit, I'd hit a fence. I was in an alley and I like backed into it, just dinged it. And they had a probationary phase with this company. You know, you do your first, what, 60 shifts. Mm hmm. And then you you move past that, but because I I think I was maybe four shifts shy of passing that probationary phase, uh, I got fired for hitting this fence. So and and it put like a tiny little ding in the bumper, like a and, yeah. In Tucson, did you have to have like a chauffeur's license? No. See, in Anchorage, you have to get like a show. You have there's a transportation inspector. You have to get a chauffeur's license, get a physical, do a class. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. And then you have to basically like. It's changed now a little bit, but with Uber, but they have the medallions, and you have to drive for somebody who owns a cab. Whether it's like some 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 companies have multiple yeah. licenses, some, some one guy just has his own. You drive for him twelve hour shift or something. In Arizona, you only need to like take a drug test and get a background check, and you're golden. You don't have to pay what it, you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for a chauffeur's license. Uh, yeah, I think I think mine cost me. I think it was all said and done about five hundred bucks when you yeah. figure the class. Um, the background check, you have to go to the state troopers, you have to get a physical examination. Um, I, I recall it being about 500 bucks total to get the, the license. Yeah. And that allows you to drive, drive a cab, which I, I think actually is probably, it's good. It's good. You want to make sure the person's not a criminal. You want to make sure they're healthy. You want to make sure they know how to drive. Yeah. So I guess with Uber now, Uber kind of just, anybody can drive Uber. That's true. They do a background check though. They do. And they uh, make sure that you're not like you know a nut, but there's been some Uber. There's been, there's been some crazy Uber stories as well. Yeah, you know, you know? one of the strippers was actually telling me uh, one of the I don't know if it's Uber or Lyft, but there's one driver in Tucson that was notorious for trying to exchange sexual favors for free fares. Like, hey, you don't have to pay me if you give me a handy or a wow. blowjob. Yeah. So, so the the flip side of that, I was in the cab once, and I was with this woman, and I drove her home, and. We get there, and she's like, do you want to come in? I go, no, I don't, you know, and because and what, what, what I heard when I first started driving, when you go to the airport, when you're waiting in line or when you're in certain places, you'll, you'll basically get to know a lot of the cabbies on the radio, you meet, but you talk to folks when you're waiting and other cab drivers. And a cab driver told me a story that years ago, uh, a woman had gotten a cab with a, with a guy and had been flirting with him, and she, I think she was at a bar. And he took her back to her hotel room, and he and she she said, "Do you want to you want to come in?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Yeah, sure." So he goes in there, screws her, leaves. Right? Yeah. Like not long. I think it might have been the next day, or maybe it was right after that. She fucking called the police and said and said she was raped. 
the shit by the guy and you know it's not probably it was like a setup thing but he's wrong because he's working she was drinking um, you know ev- even if everything she said even even if it was a setup I mean it's still wrong so I think they sued the hit the driver sued the cab company you know yeah. so so I was like I told her I was like yeah I'm not coming in your room I was like here's my number if you want to call me like when I'm not working we can get a you know drink or something but I never but I I, I had multiple women I'm not kidding like like pro- like over the couple of years I was doing that like asked me to come in probably most times it was just like no- nothing was nefarious but I was like I ain't doing that shit <laughs> Yeah, it's a great way to get yourself in trouble. Fraternizing as a I mean, cab driver. That's one on one because you're you're in a position of power. You're a, first yeah. of all, you're in a position of power. Second of you're all, you're giving drunk women you're, a ride home. You're, like, yeah, you're, you're being that's you're a being, very bad idea. You're being <laughs> licensed by the city to take care of people, and you sh- you know absolutely never did that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I mean the, the people, the drunk people I pick up. The I mean, people, I got guys tried to rob me one time. These it was young kids actually, but they got really quiet. It got really weird, and then. I, they didn't tell me where they were going. They gave me a general area, and then they um, they basically got got like all of a sudden got really aggressive. Like oh, yeah. they changed their tone all, and I was get, you know, I was like get out of the. <laughs> and then I stopped, and and they owed me like twenty five bucks, and I was like, you guys need to get out of here. Like you you know like get out of the car. Like I don't know what's going on here. Like it's not gonna fucking fly. And I was like you know give me the twenty bucks. Yeah. And they fucking I tried to close I tried to lock the doors to keep them in there to get the, you know to because they didn't have a weapon I, that I could see, and they just fucking got out of the car. They darted out and fucking like took off. Oh wow! It was like it was like two in the morning. Nice. It was a little scary. <laughs> we really di- diverged from the the. We did where I wanted to go with this podcast, where Kevin and Jeff talk about taxis. Taxi driving is really fun, though. But yeah, I so I got fired, and uh, I was I ended up getting a job at a bookstore. Real quick, I want to just say there's um Health and Social Service Commissioner Adam Crum walking yeah, down the street. Walking down the street here. He's with a, a man. I don't recognize that man. That's Juno, baby. You just see all these folks all the time. Uh, make sure to talk into the mic, partner, so we can pick up your <laughs> audio. Uh, okay, so Cab, Clovis, Tucson, Alaska, Newsminer. Oh, yeah. So, so I get fired. I'm working at a bookstore for $9 an hour. It's the fastest thing I could find. Like selling books? or I was like the used book shelver. Um, Tucson's economy was very depressed at the time. It was extremely difficult to find work. Mm-hmm. So I was sending out job applications to every newspaper I could find. I'd worked in uh, newspapers before and it seemed like the... I don't know. I kind of missed journalism. I mean... Uh, Where'd you go to school? In Oregon? Yeah, University of Oregon. Studied journalism there. Is that, is that the Beavers? Ducks. Oh, man. Yeah. Other ones Beavers, right? Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna fuck pu- the beavers, man. You're, you're gonna punch me in the fucking face, aren't you? It's all good. I saw that good. look on your like, hey, I'm a duck, motherfucker. Exactly. My grandma used to always say, she passed yeah. away a couple of years. She used to always say, fuck the duck. Fuck the duck. Yeah, I just, she's a beaver, huh? No, she just said that. Nothing to do with Oregon. She, she just say that. Aflac or what's just going like on? I just something happened. And she, you know, something she didn't like. Fuck the duck. I say, all right, fuck it. Fuck the duck. Fuck it, huh? <laughs> Weird. I don't know where that yeah. came from, but anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to you. Okay, so you looking for jobs? Yeah, uh, and Alaska has always had this appeal to me. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, you're, not, you're, yeah. not the, you're not the only one. Well, yeah, you know, uh, you know, the mountains, the adventure, all that kind of stuff. It's always kind of been in the back of my mind. I need to go up and experience Alaska at some point, and so I applied to 
I think I had applied to the Petersburg Pilot, the News Miner, and maybe one other newspaper. Petersburg Pilot. That would have been fascinating. Right? It's a tiny little spot. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I ended up at the News Miner. And the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, I think, was probably one of the best things that happened to me. Uh, I loved working there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what was it like going from Tucson to fucking Fairbanks when it's like 40 I th- below? Dude, I think I was cold from... So I got there in June, but... Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst because you got there at the best possible time. I loved like, it, Your though. first three months I mean, were like amazing weather. Yeah. And even though the weather was amazing, I, was, I think I was cold that entire summer. Like I never quite acclimated after being in the desert for, what, um, three years? Oh, yeah. You're probably like... It's 65, I'm freezing. Because <laughs> Tucson, yeah. especially Tucson, I mean, you know, that part of Arizona, even at night, it's hot. Yeah. It never really gets, like, cool. I mean, in the winter, yeah, maybe a little bit. I was but. a reporter at the Today's News Herald in Lake Havasu City. It's a, it's a strange town. The entire economy is, like, based off spring of... Spring break. Spring break, yes. That's uh, where they have all those, uh, I think a lot of those Girls Gone Wild videos used to be filmed yeah. back in, like, yeah. the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, uh, Matt Hickman, who's the editor of Anchorage Press, he was actually, like, an interim editor of mine while I was there. We actually became pretty good friends. Like Havasu? Yes. No shit. So Hickman and I, we, I don't know if you're aware of our little ongoing feud. The whole Prometheus thing, Yes, all that. And then other things he'd written, and, you know, I had kind of, we had kind of gone back and forth. We actually went on the Dave Steering show a few months ago, three or four months ago, and had kind of, it was after the whole feud thing got kind of big. and (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I can't believe you know Matt Hickman. Matt Hickman, wow. Yeah, the man taught me how to drink. <laughs> well, he's uh, he did a good job. You're enjoying your rainmaker. Yes. Uh, no, he's a he's a good friend of mine, and uh, so he wasn't like. Did he follow you up here, or did? It was kind of funny because I was in Tucson, and I I accepted the job of the news miner, and I think I met up with him for drinks. He was back at the Sierra Vista Herald in Southern Arizona, and. We met up the night before I left for Alaska, and he's like, "Hey, I just accepted a job at the Matsu Frontiersman." So, so like un like unrelated to your work, your Alaska thing. Yeah. We had no idea we were both coming up here. Wow! So what a fucking, he, uh, what a I think coincidence. he ended up here a month later. So. so totally separate from from your Alaska experience. Yeah. Job. Job. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So he was in Matsu and you were in Fairbanks. Correct. Yeah. So I was, you know, covering city government and uh, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of the Fairbanks City Council is, it's a good beat. Uh, Did you say that thing a few weeks ago about uh, Pruse where he called the Hurl Scouts militant lesbians? Uh, yeah, I did. Yes. Wow. That is loose, baby. There is, there is, uh, I don't know, like a never-ending stream of drama at the Fairbanks City Council. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know Buxton, Matt Buxton? You must know Buxton, right? Yes, he was. Uh, he's actually my roommate when I first came up to Fairbanks. He was At the time, he was the state politics reporter for the News Miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, he's now at the Midnight Sun blog. Yeah, so he's kind of doing similar kind of what I'm doing with the landmine. Yeah. He's doing the Midnight Sun. He's been doing that for... Maybe a couple of years. No, he took over from Casey Reynolds. So yeah, yeah. It's been a while. So I think I roomed with him for about a year. So I, when was it? I want to say it was about 
it's about the time that I moved out that he left the news miner and yeah, I don't know the exact date. I know he, he was he took over and then he, he was in Anchor he was in Fairbanks for a while a year over a year, probably over a year and then he moved he recently moved to Anchorage with his with his yeah. girlfriend. She took a job so now they're yeah. in Anchorage. Matt's a great guy. Which now that's like even less coverage of the Fairbanks. I mean, who's covering? I guess the news miner is really the only people. I mean, Dermot Cole's up there, right? But he's not really doing local. He's more like yeah. state. Kind of yeah. statewide stuff. Well, we have the news miner has Erin McGrory, uh, and she comes down here kind of from time to time, week at a time. She was here at the beginning of session. Okay. Uh, she covers state politics, and she has a couple other beats up there. Good friend of mine. She's she's wonderful. So. Okay, so all right, so you're what two years? I think she's actually coming down here next week. Maybe she'll do a podcast. She might. Gotta, gotta, you should ask her. Gotta ask her. I'd be. I've been to Fairbanks many times, and it's such a different... I mean, everywhere in Alaska, like Southeast, Kenai, Homer, Fairbanks. I mean, every part of Alaska is Fairbanks uniquely is different. Awesome. But Fairbanks is a whole other fucking animal. I mean, the thing about Fairbanks, that my takeaway from Fairbanks has always been it's, it's what, 40,000 people or something? 30, almost 40,000 well, people. When you look at all the There's 30,000 people in Fairbanks proper, but the entire North Star Borough, there's about... Uh, what ninety eight, ninety nine thousand people. My, my takeaway from Fairbanks has always been, like Anchorage is like you know almost three hundred thousand, and it's still based on because we're such a small state, kind of who you know, and a lot of it's like relationships. But Fairbanks has always struck me as like if if you're not really in the right like to be successful there, whether it's like you know in construction or whether it's in like media, whether it's in any kind of business, any kind of sector, you like really have to be plugged in correctly. And if you're not if you're not really in the right crowd or with the right people, it kind of like it's very hard to do. I think it's it's a it's very al- hard place. It's, to al- live. it's almost like a it's very it's like a click. There, if, it if is not, very if you're, clicky. If you're in the right click, it's very clicky. It's very hard. That's, that's my impression. It's always been my impression of Fairbanks. You know, people are people are very friendly there. They will they'll do anything for you if they you know they're very willing to help. But at the same time, I do feel like it is a little clicky. Was it weird? As far as making friends there, was it weird being a reporter there? You're, no, I thought it was people willing to talk to you. And oh yeah, people are generally willing to talk to you. I think if you can survive a winter there, uh, you're fine. I mean, you mm-hmm. you just need people to survive the winter in Fairbanks, and I think that you know just the shit that you deal with going through a winter in Fairbanks, you just become. Very close to your friends there. I was there once. Um, you know, I was visiting. I was there for some reason in the winter. And it was fucking forty. My first forty below, mm-hmm. and I was like, "God damn, this is fucking cold." I mean, ten below is one thing in Anchorage, but like, it's just so. I mean, it's kind of the same actually. It's like you you inhale and your nose freezes, but like you grab you grab something like a metal. You know, you grab metal at forty below. Well, I gra- I was moving something from my car, and it was like it was in the back of my trunk, and it was like a metal stand. Yeah, and by the time I got from my car to it was in the Carlson Center, um, my, I looked down, my hands hurt, and like and like I, I got like a minor frostbite because <laughs> it had been sitting in my car for a while. This metal stand, I had like a small business, I, and I was like, God damn, this is fucking, this is this is real. Like shit just got real. Yeah, that's cold. Not a joke. It's like, it's that'll, damn, that'll it's get you. It's fucking cold up there. All right, so okay, so you're a news miner a couple of years, and then you recently you came to Juno, right? About I guess a few months ago, yeah? Yeah, so I... How'd, how'd that happen? Well, I'd been opinion editor, and I was I was missing reporting. Uh, how many... 
Out of ten pieces you get, how many were like fucking just insane crazy? What do you mean, like letters to the editor? Yeah. Ooh, like what, what, what percentage were like, wow, this is fucking, no way we're going to run this? <laughs> I mean, that percentage was pretty low. Uh, pretty low that we turned them away. Um, you know, every now and then you get those people that are writing letters that they're just making shit up. Uh, I had one woman write a letter in which she, you know, she tried quoting the, uh, she's quoting the Constitution of the United States, not the Alaska Constitution of the United States, but she, she clearly wasn't. She'd put in quotations and she was just making stuff up. I called this woman up and said, you're a frequent letter writer. You should know better. Serial, uh, serial, serial letter writer. Letter writer, yeah. Yeah. I said, you can't, you can't be making up what the Constitution says. It's so easy to find on the internet. Just Google it and quote it. It's not that hard. What'd you say? She apologized. She fixed it. Oh, so she wasn't like she wasn't like fuck you. I'm right. She actually yeah reasonable yeah. So 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 as an opinion editor, your job is to look at stuff and and, and you know, there's opi- opinions are one thing, but they have yeah. to be factual. They, they can't make things up. They can't say something that's wrong. Yeah, it's like factually you have to wrong. have some. You have to have some factual basis in your opinion. Uh, you can't be talking shit about other letter writers. Uh, you no, know. no, no shade. No shade. Yeah, you can reference them, but you know you can't. You can't be talking shit about them. This guy's letter was the dumbest thing in That's the world. That's what the readers love is like a letter war, yeah. editorial war. <laughs> But you know, I think I think the news miner has a pretty good policy as far as allowing people to share their ideas. Like, uh, you know, it wasn't like a we weren't censoring left, right, whatever. You know, it was, as long as you know you weren't too crude, mm-hmm. as long as you were not completely full of shit and just lying, you know, we'd run it. I think we should start a landmine. Letters to the editor, and we should make you the opinion. But but we're yeah. gonna we're gonna we're gonna our standards are gonna be real fucking loose, real right? loose, very <laughs> loose. <laughs> okay, it's, it's the bar is gonna be pretty low. Um, All right, be awesome. I should start doing that. Be kinda, I don't have a job. Let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. We'll I'll take, uh, we'll take care of you. I'll edit it remotely from Portland. I don't um, mind. We could, that's that's beauty of uh, technology. I know, right? Internet. So <laughs> all right. So you said you got you got kind of you missed reporting. Yeah, I, I really like reporting. You meet fantastic people. Uh, it's different from day to day. Uh, and so I started, I want to say back in August, August, o- September, I started looking for reporting jobs. 2018. Uh, sorry, what? 20, 2018, 20, yeah. yeah. So kind of, that's peak of, the, peak of the campaign, you know? The, yeah. All the legislative races, the governor's race. Yeah. And, and, you know, I kind of figured I'd, I mean, it would take a while to find a job. So, um, but, so I ended up coming down here to Juno to work for the Juno Empire. And. That was in January. Correct. Uh, I started on January 7th. So right, right before the session started. Uh, correct. So you, 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 uh, you're pervy to one of the, what I've, What's been described to me as one of the most fascinating sessions in Alaska's history. Oh my God, this is—it's been fucking wild. God huh? damn, like <laughs> insane, <laughs> absolutely insane. I mean, I, I think 
my biggest so far my biggest takeaway is the ghost hunter <laughs> that hearing with Laura Ryan, Senator Reinbold. God, that was amazing. I wish I was there. It was fucking awesome. I mean, it went to New York Times. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of hit and miss with the meetings, right? Yeah, it's the thing, you know, like there's every day there's 10 or 15 committee meetings and, you know, you go through the schedule and usually my, I find is most, most of the meetings don't really have stories. I mean, you can do a story. But it's kind of like the story everybody else is doing because it's like on the record. Yeah. But once in a while, something, something crazy happens in one of these meetings. Yes. And, and being there makes it so much better, like seeing it live. Yeah. Um, but generally, I found that the majority of stories, that at least I write, um, are, not, are not based off a committee meeting. Yeah. The stories, to me, are a lot further away because those are very sanitized. They're very scripted. They're very kind of not normally controversial unless there's yeah. something unique happening, a bill or something that's very controversial. The senators, the representatives, they know they're on the gavel. Yeah, I mean, people, they know they're being watched. People are in the room. It's on TV. It's recorded. Yeah. So the real, the real stories are far away from those meetings. You think so? Oh, for, I mean, most of the stories I write are, <laughs> I mean, with the exception of yeah, a few exceptions, but... Oh no! There's so much. There's so much going on outside those committee meetings. And even the committee meetings, like I said, you know, any given day, there's ten or fifteen of these fucking things. And you're, you can't you're cover one person all of them as a person. Where do you Where do you go? What do you? Yeah. And, and then, and then, if you really want to go back and start watching something interesting happened, I mean, you have to spend an hour or two watching it. Correct. Later, so it's um, it's definitely neat. it takes a, le- a level of knowledge or awareness of knowing like like what committee meetings to go to if you're going to go to those and and then having the sources or having the people tell you hey check this out watch this meeting yeah at four hours and 20 minutes you got to watch this or something you know (laughs) yeah it gets it gets old after a while it can be very tedious so let's talk a bit about so you just left you just left you 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 quit your job right yeah i quit on a week ago, last Thursday. So you're. What about time what? is it now? Uh, it's, it's yeah, th- it's I Thursday. About, I think three o'clock last Thursday. So we're almost a weekend. So you—that's a little over two months after you started. Yeah. So, and now you're moving to Oregon. So, I guess it's safe to say you weren't liking you weren't liking it, or was it something else? Was it another um, opportunity? Or there was. Well, <laughs> I have. I don't have an opportunity lined up. I am just moving. Uh, I have no job lined up. Uh, I'll be staying with my brother and a good friend of mine, kind of intermittently. He's got, he's got a spot. Yeah. So That's I have good. I have a little bit of room and board lined up for I don't know maybe a month. Uh, I hear they're handing jobs out like candy on the streets there. The economy's doing quite well in Portland. You know, I have friends who live in Portland. We've moved to Portland over the years from Alaska, and friends that have been there for a while and. The only, the only bad thing I ever hear about Portland is like the homelessness problem in certain parts of the downtown. There's, there's like one, one part in particular where I, I think it's... I've been there before. But generally, I hear really good things about Portland. I mean, It's a wonderful you know, city. I grew up there. Well, Beaverton, but... And I... I don't know. Where's Beaverton? So it's... Beaverton is west side of Portland. It's, uh, you know, it's full of tech companies but it's like its own it's Nike own, had Nike is headquartered in Beaverton it's like its own they have their own mayor they have their own government Correct, or, yeah okay. it's a suburb uh, 
a lot of money in Beaverton. Uh, you know, um, lots of tech people work there. Intel, lots of Intel workers. Uh, oh, weird. Where I grew up in New Mexico, in Rio Rancho, where I grew up there, huge Intel plant. That was kind of the big part of that whole economy where I grew up. They uh, they made the microchips. Um, wow. So you, so you know, I spent a year in Australia. I le- I got laid off my job and. You know, you're kind of, it's a lot of uncertainty. You're like, fuck, I'm, I'm out of work. But for me, at least in my, kind of how I am, I think some of the most exciting things in life happen when you're having uncertainty, when you don't know what's going to happen. When you're, right. When you're, I mean, that's, that's, that's actually, for me, I, I love that. It, it's hard. It's not, it's not always easy. It's, it's always a little bit, you're always worried a bit. What, what oh, am yeah. I going to do? I'm worried as hell right now. I mean, uh, but you're, you're, you're not stuck in some office nine to five. Hating your fucking life every day. Not, not saying that's you, but a lot of people just go to work every day. They nine to five. They hate it, yeah. and they do that forever. Well, you know, uh, I really just think life is too short to be unhappy in what you're doing. When you're working, you're spending forty plus hours a week doing whatever your job is, and if it isn't working for you, move on. If you don't like it, you gotta. And it, it's hard. I think for a lot of folks, myself included, it's hard to pull the trigger and say. I'm miserable doing this, but, you know, to quit or to, 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 to pull the trigger and then be out of a job and out of a paycheck, you know, because most of us aren't wealthy. Some folks, God, no. some folks, they never worry about this because because their families or whatever, they they they're always going to be taken care of. Yeah. So they don't they don't think about these kind of things. But the majority of us do think about this. Correct. Even if yeah. you're miserable, you and if you have a kid, if your job has insurance, you know. Yeah, it's a whole other level thing. level of, of complexity. Luckily, I'm you know I'm single. I don't have kids, and uh, you he, know you said I mean, you're, you said you're 35, right? Yeah, motherfucker, you look like you're about 25. Clean living, man. I'm 34, and last night we were here, and someone told me you I look like I was 40, and you look like you were 25. <laughs> I was like, thanks. You're you're older than me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, mean, I drink you're, you're, a lot you're, of water. You're also having know. a rainmaker here, so yeah. I think it's genes, man. I think it's genes. Could be genes. I think it's genetics. Could be genes. I don't know, folks. If you're not seeing Kevin, he's I'd call him a bit of a baby face. I can't. Also, a nice, very nice curly hair situation you have going on. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, this is the Kevin Baird uh, promotion podcast. Hire me. No. We'll, we'll get you. We got you. We're gonna <laughs> outside outside opinion editor. Right. So, I mean. I don't know how much you want to go into, like, you, you left the em, you know, Empire, but, you know, I was hoping to talk a little bit about, you've been in media, various media and kind of journalist positions in, in Alaska, God. Um, and you're in Juneau, so you've seen, you've seen, you had a glimpse into seeing how this place functions that most Alaskans never, never see. Yeah. Other than what they read or see on TV, which is very <laughs> different than what, what actually happens here. Yeah, it's... This is a wild town. Uh, I, I mean, I guess. So where do you want me to start? Like, I feel like there's a lot we could gloss Let, over. Let's but. start with. Normally, I do these things thirty minutes, but we're at thirty-five. We're gonna, we're gonna do an hour, baby. Cause, okay. Because you're Kevin yeah. Baird. Let's fucking do it. And let's fucking let's let's make this happen. So, I mean, we we did fifteen minutes on taxis. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> so okay, so tell me okay so. From my perspective, I'm new to this. I've been doing this for about over over you know a year and a half, and I'm in a very different. I write whatever I want. I see something interesting. I get a tip, but you've been working for like 
legit newspapers. Yeah. So you so you have a bigger microphone. Okay. But yeah. Tell well, me tell me about, tell me about like how you what you write and how you decide to write something and like you have you have editors right? Yeah. So yeah. you have people that tell you. Yeah. You yes know, or no? I have, or? People, I have people telling me what to do. And you know after what? So I've worked at four newspapers over the last what six years or so, and I think I think a large reason why I decided to move on is I just don't want to deal with newspapers anymore. Um, I, I love journalism. I think it's extremely important. Uh, and I think one of the biggest issues I had with quitting was, uh, you know, without me there, that's one less person in the Capitol press corps. And Cover, cover, covering the you know covering the legislative session and everyone who's listening I'm sure is aware of just the the circus this session has been. It's wild, man. I mean, between and budget stuff and these these boards and commissions and you know the PFD and, and the House issue of not organizing and the senator. I mean, the senators saying fucking. We ain't doing this. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, the dynamics in that building are insane. The more reporters we have in there, the better. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, you know, I think I'm a I'm a fairly independent person. I don't like being told what to do. And I think there's a better way of doing journalism. What do you think that is? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Is it the landmine model? You know, one thing or, I do the, like the the individual, not just landmine, but like ind- independent kind of media. I think I think it is a good model. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but um, well, the, there's. The, let me tell you, the money's uh, <laughs> an issue. <laughs> Paying for it is that's the. Oh, I'm challenge. sure it is. And how do you and, get your money, by the way? People well, we donate. Sell, we sell ads. You know, we sell ads. People donate. I mean, we ask people to support. You know, support. And just like you know, ADN or anybody does subscriptions. We don't. We don't limit content. Yeah. We ask people to support us sell ads some people are you know some people have been pretty generous i mean but even then it's it's not like there's no it's not sustain as it sits right now it's not a sustainable yeah. um way to do it do it you know do you feel like you're so you know this legislative session goes what may june july august i mean i think at least, how long? at least till may i mean 90 <laughs> 90s mid april so it's going to go long yeah. it's going to go till at least may and i you know it depends on what um how much the per- I mean, if the dividend's low, I think the governor will call him back. Yeah, because he wants that big dividend, and it depends on the bu- the budget and the dividend are the main. And then there's also the kind of crime, kind of secondary level of complexity that's going on. But yeah, I mean, you look at that what 2017, the the Walker deal, where it was what 200 days of sessions. Yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, it's supposed <laughs> to be 90. It's well, like it's like more than statutorily, double statutorily. Statutorily, I, mean, I mean that's the nobody voter, gives a shit quote, unquote, about that. quote unquote voter Except mandate. For maybe what I don't know, like three people in this. Well, the, the voter mandate's ninety, but then I think statutorily it's one twenty-one. That's constitutionally. Const- constitutionally, okay. Yeah. So statutorily ninety, constitutionally one twenty-one. But you know, yeah, fucking twenty seventeen, it was like two hundred days or two hundred and twenty days of. Yeah, that's insane. I, I am so curious to see how long this thing goes. I think nobody knows. I mean, you couldn't make, make it. You could do a betting pool of like 
you know, put, put money into a, do like do yeah. squares. So, so when, when you, you said you were being tired of told, what did you say? T- what you could say or what you could write? Is that, well, like, how does this work? So I don't, I don't, I, I've never done this before. So you write a story or you, you have an idea for a story and then so, an editor somewhere tells you. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, which newspaper you're out, but yeah, any, you, know, any, you, you have an editor. Uh, you're finding stories, and also it's a combination of you finding stories to write about and also your editor assigning you stories. So based on, like, this week the Permanent Fund's major, you got to go do a Permanent Fund story. Yeah. You're like, hey, I want to do this, but your editor says, sometimes, you know, sometimes your editor says, you need to do this. Um, and there's also there's also a lot of... I don't know. Sometimes I think there's a lot of arbitrary rules in newspaper journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what if they said, go do this, but, you, but what if you say, well, I'm actually working on this. This is a much bigger story. This is something... Because what I've noticed is, like, I, I focus on stories. My philosophy or my, my kind of, like, approach is do stories that other people aren't doing because if, yeah. if there's a big story, whether it's, like, a budgetary story or a crime or something... You'll you'll go to ADN, you'll go to KTVA, you'll go to KTU, you'll go to News Miner, you'll go to Juno Empire, and they're all covering that. If it's a big story, everybody's covering it. Right. So I don't, me, I don't give a fuck about that. Why would I write about something that everybody's already written about? Maybe, maybe they'll change the yeah. A little bit, it'll be obviously it's not going to be identical. I want to write about stuff that that nobody's writing about. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of opportunity to. There's do that. a lot of things going on at the Capitol that are not being written about. And that's what I kind of focus on. But I feel like newspapers and TV stations, I mean, they have, they have, like, they, they have a need for content. They have a need for, yeah. you know, kind of Yeah, con- they need content. You know, you got you to gotta fill up the newspaper. You need to fill up, you know, you need to post content online. Especially a newspaper, yeah. You have an actual, you have a You have a print and an online public, product. Physical you publication. You have, yeah, you have to. You can't, you, know. you can't just, you know. See, that's the thing in the Capitol. I always see you and other reporters you know, you guys are like, well, we're on deadline. And I'm like, I'm always like, what the fuck is that? I don't have a deadline. Yeah. My deadline is when I want to, when I finish something and when I want to put it up. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great thing about what you do is as a independent blogger, I mean, we call you a blogger, but I think you're a journalist. Uh, oh, I like that. You know, you, you know, you get to set. You get to make your own rules, and um, I know people criticize you maybe on your ethics. You know. Yeah, I mean, I hear different. I think I think people are with me and, and like Buxton, for example. I think people are frustrated or maybe confused that like I can say whatever I want, and I, I take it seriously. I mean, if it's a real serious story, if it's something that's like impactful, yeah, I will not interject my opinion. I will try not to interject my opinion on something that's serious, but. If it's something that's like not a big deal, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe comment, editorialize or comment. But I think a lot of folks are confused and, and maybe you know angry that I can say something that maybe you really want to say, yeah, or somebody and like in your position really wants to say because yeah, because we all know things happen in this oh, building yeah. that don't it's get reported. Like, you know, it's like sometimes you're writing a story and you want to say. Mike Dunleavy's budget is really fucking stupid, but you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't say that. Yeah, it's you know, 
I have such a hard time wrapping my brain around how his budget is honest or sustainable. I don't oh. get to say that, though. So what if you wrote that, not just here, but anywhere, like you wrote something like that, your editor is probably going to be like, dude, whoa, what are you doing? Well, yeah, it doesn't, well, yeah, you can't, you know, as a journalist, you, you try your very damnedest to be, you know, objective. And you went to school for this, right? Yeah. So, so you have a whole different background than me. You. It's, yeah, it's, I think it is, I think it is really important to do that. Um, so as it. But sometimes it can be frustrating. And I think, I mean, when, when does it get to a point where you, you need, something needs to be said? We have, we have two, what? So we have the news miner that writes editorials. Rod Boyce writes editorials uh-huh. for the news miner. ADN does. Tom Hewitt writes editorials for the ADN. Those are like our two main uh, Newspapers that are commenting on things, you know, that are transpiring in the state. Yep. Uh, Does that Empire do that or no? No. We have um, we have letters to the editor. We run some columns, uh, but no, we don't. I. I don't think I've seen any editorials. I know the ADN does like their editorial board. I don't. I think it's like. Yeah. I think it's like Tom Hewitt. um, What's his name? Uh, David. Oh my gosh! I'm, why am I blanking on his name? There's there's like three or four people that kind of Scott Jensen. He does stuff with the Journal of Com- or Andrew Jensen does stuff with the Journal of Commerce. Yeah, his kind of a own, kind of his own opinion pieces. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, your editorial board you argue, decide on a stance that you want to take, and you know your opinion editor writes about it. So you know Tom Hewitt will write. An opinion on behalf of ADN, you know, and that opinion might not necessarily be his. David Hewlin, I was thinking about. He's he's the editor. David Hewlin. He's okay. editor for the ADN. So yeah, Rod Boyce might write an editorial for the Newsminer. That opinion might not necessarily be his. It's something the editorial board mm-hmm. has decided on. So, so here's a question I got, and this is something I've really probably the thing that's most most fascinated me, or I think. Thing I think about most when it comes to like writing about things or journalism or reporting is in traditional journalism or, or reporting says you cover an issue and you cover both sides, right? Yeah, you gotta listen to this side, listen, and I, and I agree with that. You should listen to both sides, balance is good. But, but if there's a topic where it's so weighted, where for example, in Anchorage, there was this like guy, David Neese, he's running for the school board, he's like a perennial candidate, he um, was behind this kind of plastic bag ban recall. Okay. And it was like, it was just him. And yeah. he's done stuff like this before and he's kind of like known to be kind of a, a, a perennial kind of guy and he's a little out there with his stuff. So there's a, there's a, um, article or there was a TV star, I think it was, I think it was Channel 2, but they covered it like equal like like there's a plastic bag ban that simply passed like overwhelmingly uh-huh and there's this guy who's like gathering he didn't even he didn't even get the signature. i mean anybody who pays attention knows he wasn't going to get the signatures but they covered it like it was like this i mean the same as like if there was a group of 10 people who like put a lot of work into it and were doing an actual recall petition a real one it got covered like so if it was me it's like 
this dude who like does this shit all the time is like trying to do something and it's bullshit. It's not going to happen. Like it's kind of a joke. Yeah. But instead, it was covered like a real thing, and it was like it was like showing both quote unquote both sides. <laughs> to me, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes as a as a journalist, you want to tell it how it is because you know and how it is if you're following. Sometimes that stuff. it's frustrating, and you know, depending on who you I don't know who you work for, whether it's yourself or you know uh, a newspaper, a magazine. There's different liberties you can take, and a lot of times in a news my or sorry a newspaper, there's certain things you just cannot do, and I think. Therein lies a huge frustration of mine. Uh, I think, I think journalism here at the Capitol could be done a lot better in many respects. How so? <sighs> How much time you got? <laughs> right. That's that's a huge issue. Is time? Uh, you know, doing what, doing maybe what you're told, as opposed to maybe what you really think you should be doing. Uh, well, that's a that's a big issue, um, and also I think what people get paid. I mean, pe- journalists yeah. used to get paid, you know, a decent wage. <laughs> like, and now I, I know some of the. Fo- I mean, you look at all the folks over the years in Alaska, probably just all over the country, but people who are very good at you know journalism or media. I mean, they get jobs in public. I mean, Megan Baldino, you know, she was. With Channel Two forever, and then she went to Shell and GCI. I mean, you had like Austin Baird went to the yeah. governor's press secretary. You had Mallory Peebles was at Channel Two. She went to the House Minority. You have Grace Jang was in the media for a long time. She went to the G- Governor Walker. You know, yeah. you have all these people who um, who are very smart, very hyper intelligent, very talented, who do, are doing great work in media. But then they say, you know, God, I can I can do something really impactful, and I can get paid two or three times as much. And you can't you can't blame them. I mean, it's journalism just doesn't pay. There's just not a lot of money in it, and I don't really see. I feel like I could work my ass off in newspapers for the next ten, fifteen years, and not really make a whole lot much more money. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see myself ever being able to buy a house or support a new or sorry support a family with a newspaper salary. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it's like I don't really see a whole lot of future in newspapers. And I, I mean, it's very difficult to just say, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to stick with this and be I don't know, pretty damn poor, get by but be poor and, you know, have enough money to buy beer and yeah. uh and go out on the weekend, but well, and, and I think some of that too lies on the other end of like, you know, you know, nope. People generally don't want to pay for information. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have like ADN does the paywall and they try to get subscribers. It's, it's really frustrating. I don't know where this entitlement for, uh, you know, free news came from. I mean, obviously well, a long free time, I mean, internet for, sites, but. For a long time, it was like there was ABC, NBC, CBS, and there was New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, there was like big, they had monopolies on, on the co- information. Yeah. And they got, you know, advertising money and they. They did well because they they had the money. Yeah, and that it's, the whole model has changed. But but it, I mean that's a bit the other thing is like now that you have all these blogs and you know these quote unquote webs you know yeah. websites news sites and you know some of them are partisan as shit and it's just they they either lie, they put out re- false information, right? Partisan propaganda. 
but people still. I mean, if you're if you're not super up to speed on what what's what, you might read something and say, "Oh, that's that's crazy." Yeah, and it's like fake, right? Because you can't. Dif- it's hard to differentiate. Yeah, now between what's real and what's, I mean, and what's not based on what you're reading. I mean, if you're reading New York Times or Washington Post or you know Boston Globe, like those are trusted economists. Yeah, those are you trust those as like, hey, this is real. But you know, it's like a, a good blog that looks great that has. Breitbart or something like, or like HuffPost. Sometimes you don't know what, like, it looks good. It looks legit. It looks good article. It's, you know, oh my God, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's, not yeah. a, it's, not, it's not one side either. It's both sides do it. It's yeah. right, left, center. It's not like. And it's free and you might just be reading bullshit. Another thing <laughs> is like doing what I do. I know what, I know what kind of stories get traction. I know because I've yeah. been doing it so long. So. Sometimes a really investigative story on something very important that demonstrates some level of corruption or, or some something nefarious, you know, doesn't get not nearly as much as like the Palin stalker was hired to work in the Capitol. Yeah, that fucking thing took off. Four thousand shares. Sarah Palin shared it. My website broke. You know, and it's <laughs> yeah, like, I think, and, I that, think- and that's a good story. That's a good story, but. But that's not to me. That's not as. Imp- I mean, it's a good story. It's it's worth public knowing about. But that's not as important as like some somebody in the government saying, "I'm going to like give somebody a contract for some something, and then I'm going to get a fucking kickback myself." Exactly. And those. I mean, those are. You know, depending like on the, what it is, is people are going to. But you, it's just the shit that really the shit that's really important. I don't. I don't always see as being like as important to the readers. Yeah. What I think is important, you know, which shows corruption or which shows, which sh- which shows you know, bad ethics or m- bad morals. At the news miner, for instance, uh, like a lot of our top stories would be like, as far as web traffic goes, would be, uh, you know, weather stories. Yeah, I mean, so, you know. somebody like I did a story on Alaska Airlines one time. They had a plane that wasn't reported on. It landed. It came in like there was, it was like really hot. It was like I, I did Alaska Airlines flight literally comes in hot. Yeah, there was some heater thing, and it was like they were. They landed emergency, surrounded by fire trucks, and I knew somebody on the plane. I put on Facebook, you know, like, was anybody on that? I heard about it. You know, it was like, they were, like, looking for the fire. They were fucking crazy, right? Like, Yeah. And nobody, I wrote, yeah, that, that, I think that was my most viewed, I think I had, like, 100,000 hits. Damn. Or, or, like, or like things that happen with, like, sometimes fighting other media or going, like, <laughs> those get those get a lot of, it's like drama, you know? It's just drama oh, yeah. people like. Drama, yeah. And... And a lot of times these uh, political stories you like, as important they are, as they are, they just don't gain, I don't know, the web traction, whatever. Uh, and, I mean, as a journalist, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just really don't give a flying fuck about clicks. I mean, I don't... Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't... I'm not in journalism to make a newspaper money. I'm in journalism to tell important stories yeah i could i don't give a fuck about your clicks it doesn't benefit me you're not gonna give me a fucking raise you're not gonna treat me any better than you are now why the fuck should i do that yeah you're, you're yeah, i mean if, they, if you do a story that gets a million million clicks yeah you don't get a, a, a windfall from that you, you don't get yeah. a bonus from that and i i just don't yeah i i do journalism because i believe it's very important I like writing. I like telling stories. I, I'm not in it to make my company money, and I don't know a single journalist who is. Well, and that's the thing. That's that's the big conundrum. It's like you know, you, you don't. If you're in this to make money, 
I mean, you want to get paid, you want to get a salary and all that. But if you're in this for like how much pro- profit, that, that all of a sudden starts dictating, you know, what's more important, you know, the story that's that's real, that's going to expose something, yeah, in the public a public's interest or something that's going to, you know, get a lot of traction. It's not even that important. Yeah. And or, or, or something that's like, well, this person's been real friendly to our paper, and they that because of the relationship that we you know there's advertising money or there's yeah. that's another question of like well we don't want to you know piss that person off which I think is I think some people say that's not that never happens but I think that does happen <laughs> I know that happens yeah <laughs> well it's been a great I mean shit we're coming up in an hour shit that's double my no- what's normal your, what's your longest podcast what, um it's probably pretty close. I mean, my friend Margaret Stock, she's an immigration attorney. Really oh, yeah. Super, she ran against Don Young, yeah, right? Uh, no, it's um, Lisa Murkowski. As like an independent, like an independent, uh, ran a Democratic primary uh, 2016. I could have sworn she ran against Don no, Young. No, it was Lisa Murkowski, but she's an immigration oh, she attorney, hyper, uh, hyper intelligent. And we, we did a, lo- a long one on immigration with her. And okay. It was over an hour. But I mean, you're, you're up there. Um, oh, you're, sweet. You're approaching the... I feel special. Top top length, you know. You're good <laughs> conversation. We've covered all the topics. Oh yeah. Taxi driving, strippers, journalism, importance of you know ethics and journal. I mean, major stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good conversation. I think. And I we're hope. at the triangle. And we're at the triangle. Yes. And you had your yeah. rainmaker, so that was. Uh, I would say it's a trifecta. Podcast triangle rainmaker. Right. That's what they call the trifecta. Kevin, this has been really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck on your new endeavor. You're thank you leaving in a couple couple days. Best of luck to you uh, reporting here at the Capitol. I appreciate that, and uh, you're gonna have a new chapter. And I think we'll be we'll, we will be in touch. All right, I like we'll you. We'll see you around. You're, you're you're a good dude. All right, folks. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Kevin. Um, if you want to do a podcast or have any ideas for podcasts, let me know, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Let's